Since this is February and we associate this month with love, mainly I assume because of Valentine's Day, I thought maybe in the month of, of February I'll do a short series on that topic. And I always say, I begin all my series with saying it's a short series. Then when Christmas hits, we're still in the same series, but, but I, I think it will be a short series. Now, as I sometimes say with other topics that I, that I speak on, I, I know what I'm saying is correct, and I will, will use scripture verses to, to back things up. I'm just not an expert in all that I preach. I'm not perfect in all these ways. So once again, I'm going to greatly teach to myself because I often need reminded of this. You're very welcome to listen in, but this is for me, and I'm probably going to step on my toes a lot here tonight. Uh, but this topic can help us all, a refresher, a reminder. C.S. Lewis, he said this. He said, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. He said, as soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you're behaving as if you love someone, you'll presently come to love him. This is true in many areas, I believe. I, I look at why we do certain things in human nature. I, I, I tell people this, there are, there are thoughts, there are behaviors, and there are feelings in our culture, and I, I think sometimes even in the Pentecostal culture, we talk so much about feelings, and thank God for that. I'm not discounting that in any way. God has created us as a whole human being, so we can feel God. But sometimes we, we talk so much about feelings in our culture, we'll say things like, I feel we should, and whatever we should do, and, and I sometimes I will catch people, because to me, my counseling background, words mean things, so I say, you you think we need to do something or you feel we need to do something? Because if you feel we need to do it, I can't help your feeling. That's fine. You can feel what you want. I can't dictate that. But if you think something, I may be able to talk you out of it. Or I may be able to help you process that a little bit differently. So I asked the question about these three of thoughts, behaviors, and feelings. What's in the driver's seat in your life? Do you think and then behave based on how, how that happens? Or do you think and then behave based on how you feel? Is that the driving force? Do you behave a certain way, then it makes you feel a certain way, and that works on your thought processes? One other way, do you, do you think something and then you do it based on those thoughts? So these all have to do with these actions and where they come from. For instance, we know that Jesus is worthy to be praised, okay? Whether I feel like it or not, he's worthy to be praised. He's a good God. The Word says that we should praise him. I may be tired. I may be grouchy. I may have had a bad day. I may feel like not praising him. But since I know it and, and, and I make myself behave in that way, then very often I'll begin to feel like praising him. We do this in church a lot. We'll, somebody get in the pulpit and they will say things like, you know, whether you feel like praising him or God, not, whether you're tired, whether you have a bad day, let's all just worship the Lord and praise him because he's worthy to be praised. We know that's true. Then we behave, then we start to act like we know that's true. And then many times you've been in the service, what happens? All of a sudden, whoosh, the power of God will come in here and it will, be a, it will be come from our heart and we will then feel like praising him. Okay, so these three areas, 
to me, in my mind, work together, and it depends on what drives what. You, you've seen this, again, in churches happen, and, and you've been in those services when that happens. Just a long description, I guess, I can, I'm trying to pull out here that I believe C.S. Lewis is correct when he says, don't waste time debating whether or not you love your neighbor. That's not the point at hand. The point at hand, the Bible says, love your neighbor. I know that. I know what the Bible says. And since I know it, and I know it's the right thing to do, if I act in a loving behavior, again, I know there's outliers, but for the most part, you'll find that you feel love towards that person. You'll feel good towards that person, and that's a good thing. Okay, Lamentations 2.18. Let's read this verse. Their heart cried unto the Lord. A wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears run down like a river day and night. Give thyself no rest, let not the apple of thine eye cease. Notice the phrase, their heart cried. We understand not the blood pumping muscle that's inside of our chest, but the very core of someone's being. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence because out of it, Flows the issues of life. Guard your heart. Not, yeah, that's fine. Take care of your physical heart. But it's the innermost of who you are. Protect what's way down inside of you, the very core of you, because life flows out of that. So if we say their heart cried, or if we say their heart rejoiced, or in some way we picked up something of what they said or how they spoke or how they were acting or something like that. This idea of their heart speaking, it's when a person either directly or sometimes even in a cryptic way, they get, it gives you a peek into his or her heart, into his or her innermost being. It may be, again, through actual words, I am so sad today. Well, that's not hard to figure out. That's not real cryptic. Come from their innermost being, something's wrong. They feel sad. They're saying that to, to you. But what is their heart saying? What is way down on the inside of them? Again, actual words, or you may pick up something from there, perhaps a sadness or a loneliness. Hearing a heart speak is an art. We must lovingly cultivate it can lead, again, to the most wonderful times of encouragement as we make it our habit to listen and to love. But here's the th caveat about this. This takes time. It takes us, it takes me slowing down and paying attention. Our culture, you know very well, is obsessed with uh, self. <laughs> we post pictures of ourselves online, call them selfies. At every turn, we seem to care about only one thing, what's in it for me. Post pictures of our food, post pictures of our house, post pictures of it. And again, you understand, I, I like to people and, and share things, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I have met people that have just, they've gone bonkers. <laughs> it is, I, I am convinced they think the world does revolve around them. It's just not, you know, that a saying. They're, I, I'm pretty sure they're convinced of that. They are so self-absorbed. And if we're not careful, we are, we are so saturated 
with self that it almost becomes normal. It sometimes maybe even becomes expected that you're self-absorbed or that you are all about yourself. E even, even embrace this culture with the individuation. I did it myself. Who was it? Uh, one of the old crooners said, I did it my way. It's just all about me. I did it my way. I did it for me. Nobody helped me. And no, it was all about me. Look at me. And, and we like that hero that they came from nothing. And look at them now. And they're, we're excited about that. And we rejoice. And again, I'm glad they're, they're doing something. And, but this whole idea gets ingrained of a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and those success stories where someone beat all odds and they became something wonderful. We just, oh, we, we town them. We rejoice with them. We honor them. But if we really look down into it, side note here, they didn't do it all by themselves. But we like to think that. And sometimes that's, again, celebrated. So many of the old-fashioned, we might call them virtues, seem to have disappeared. Saying something like, no, 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 go, go ahead. Whether in line or in, in action or just, just in deed, in just, in just how we present ourselves. Looking out for somebody else. Giving a helping hand. Our busyness, again, hang on, we're going to set the stage, we're going to get somewhere, but our busyness is partly to blame for this. The demand of work, the demand of family, we, we may interact with others daily as we carry out our responsibilities, but rarely do we pay attention to what is really going on in the lives of those around us. There are people around us constantly I was in a restaurant today. I cannot tell you one other person in that restaurant. I know they were there. I, I don't remember who was there. I don't remember if they're male or female. Or, were there people? That, yeah, because there's people everywhere. It's just people. And our busyness, we, we, we just focus on what we have to do next. I, I said a few weeks ago, I wonder what would happen if everywhere we went, we were looking around with the question, I wonder what God wants to do in here. I wonder if I would have walked in that restaurant today with that, I wonder what God wants to do in this restaurant through me today. I bet I would have known who was in that restaurant because I would have slowed down and I would have looked and considered who was around. Who does he want me to minister to? How does God want to use me in here? To, to become a person who thinks of others first, again, takes a lot of effort on our part because I'm, I'm, I'm afraid it's not natural anymore. It's just not how we're raised. It's, we're raised to hurry and get it done and set the goal and get onto something else and just speed through our lives and three, speed through our days. It requires us to live alert is what happens with no expectations of a return favor, with no strings attached, no pats on the back. No one may ever know but am I still called to reflect Jesus to the world? Absolutely. Well, will I get accolades? It doesn't matter. What are we doing this for? For selfies and thumbs up on, on, on social media? Are we doing it 
as unto the Lord. The Gospels, they give an eyewitness account to what Jesus did when he was here on earth. Although he was the son of God and he was on a very big mission, like giving his life to save the entire population or the entire, you understand. It, it was a big mission he was doing to save all of mankind. Jesus was never too busy, however, to notice. He lived alert with those people around him. He could be among a crowd and focus in on one weary soul on his way to do something else. So often he turned his attention to what appeared to be a lesser thing. Well, he was getting ready to go, let's make something up, I don't remember, go do the Sermon on the Mount and oh, life changing. Oh, he's gonna preach to the mobs and oh, his popularity is going to soar. It's going to be wonderful. But maybe on that trip, he stopped and said hi to a little girl by the side of the road. It's not going to record everything, but that's the type of stuff Jesus did. So it would seem lesser, but the impact it would make. Jesus wasn't about doing big things. He was about doing the right things. And often for him, the right thing was noticing one simple soul. Luke 8 and Mark 5, they, they, give the, they both record such a scene. Jesus had just uh, restored a demon-possessed man, and he crossed over the lake, and a large crowd gathered as usually did. And there was a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, a good man, a powerful man, he, well-known. I mean, he had influence. He came to Jesus and he had a problem, had a massive problem. He said, Jesus, my, my, my daughter's dying. Can you come with me? Can you come with me? And, and Jesus agreed. And the Bible said it wasn't a lot of hoopla there. Matter of fact, Mark 5, 24 just kind of says, so Jesus went with him. Wasn't a lot of, you know, behold, I'm going with the synagogue leader. It was just, okay, yes, absolutely. You're a person. I care for you. I'll go with you. As a journey, getting there, trying to get there. Crowds pressed in all around Jesus. When I preach again this Sunday, pretend you haven't heard it lately, but this is in my notes. But in this throng was a woman. Matthew 5, starting at verse 26, says, and, and, and this woman had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but grew, but rather grew worse when she heard of Jesus come, came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said, I, I, I may but just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. She reached out to touch Jesus. Her simple, frantic touch didn't escape his notice. Mark 5, 30 and 31, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press, all these people, and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples, you got to be kidding me. We have been traveling for a mile now, and people are bumping into you and bombarding you, and it's stopping and going. We're trying to push through this stuff, and people are all over the place, and you ask, who in the world touched you? Jesus said, no, somebody contacted me that needs help. Somebody touched me. And I'll respond to that. I'll stop the entourage. I'll stop going to it seemingly a bigger need because it was Cheris and his, he, he was a synagogue ruler and his daughter was in trouble. And so, uh, but Jesus said in Mark 5, 34, and he said to her daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. 
The way Jesus took time to notice just one person and meet her need. A seemingly insignificant person. We don't even know her name. We know a few things, a few verses about her. She was sick for 12 years and she couldn't get better and she didn't know what else to do. So she heard Jesus and came and touched the hem of his garment and he called her and said, oh Lord, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have pressed in and all this stuff. And Jesus said, daughter, it's all right, go in peace. End of story and then we go on. Her life was changed because she came in contact with Jesus and he stopped and spent time with her. question at this juncture of the lesson is, I wonder if we should try to be more like Jesus. I'm sure we also have many things calling our attention. Crowds of people and projects and that press on every side. And maybe Jesus is calling us to stop and notice, to live alert, to give a special touch that may heal a heart Cheer a weary soul. Change someone's direction. Jesus' real ministry was the person he found right in front of him. That's his real ministry. Who's that for you? Well, so-and-so's in front of the pew in front of me. Maybe they need you. Maybe somebody sitting near you here. Maybe someone in your family. I wonder if we're, sometimes I think we, we get fixated on trying to do something grand for God. Nothing wrong with that. We're goals and dreams and destinies. I, you know, we preach about that. But perhaps we need to embrace the obscure instead. Just the little thing. Maybe stop trying to be profound or important and instead just be obedient to quickly and humbly obey when we feel God moving and engage with another and cheer them up or help them or encourage a weary soul and so the question then again is are are we willing to mimic the behavior of Jesus I mean I'm preaching now I got to preach Sunday I don't have time Preaching is important. We know that. And I want to do a good job because I don't want to embarrass you or myself either one. I want the Spirit of God to move, so I'll study and do my best. But that doesn't take all my time. Did I stop in the restaurant? No. Although it was, and I think Skylar left, he did. We're sitting there. He had to go to the e doctor because he can't breathe, you know, little things like that. So anyway, got him patched up. But so... We're sitting there at the restaurant. He doesn't, I had no, he had no clue, obviously, what I was speaking tonight or anything. And he, we were sitting there and he goes, and I had run to the restroom and came back. I sat in there and he goes, oh. I said, what? He said, you know, there's just, I should have helped that person. I said, help what person? Oh, I, I do remember one person in there because he pointed him out. This man, he had obviously had a stroke and he was struggling to speak even and you could, he was hard to understand, but his, his whole right side, he kind of, you know, how he would, they would, they, someone with that would drag his leg, and he, this hand was pretty much paralyzed. And so he was up at the counter, and he, he had his, something he put under this arm, and then he was struggling to get his little tray, and he was hobbling back to his table. And Skyler said, why, 
why didn't I go help him? I said, and I try, you know, well, some people are, make sure you ask always. That's fine. Can I, can I help you? He said, I would have done that. But I thought, what an example. Proud of him for that. But where it's just like he noticed somebody. That's, I'll tell you what he should have done. He should have had oil in his pocket and slung it at him and palmed his head and just, in the name, it's what he should have done. Well, if God calls us to do that, absolutely. But that's the grandiose. Because then I could come, Skyler anointed this man with oil. And boy, his, his limbs went straight and he shouted all over. We had revival at Cain's Chicken. Great. I hope. I'm praying for that. Absolutely. But in the meantime, can I help carry his tray to a table? Yes. Can I show the love of Jesus in those ways? Yes. Maybe put it in park a minute and stop looking for the big and just do what's right in front of us. That's what Jesus did. Was that woman that was healed with the issue of blood, was she saved? I don't know. He did say, go in peace. He did say, you know, he said these things to her, different things. I, I don't know how all that worked then. My point is he did touch her and he changed her life from that moment on. I want to be like that. I want to know who's right in front of me. Because in our world of fast pace and all this stuff, people are longing for someone to notice them. Let me let you in on a little secret. And I said this in different ways. You know how little two-year-olds, when they're hungry or tired, they throw fits. They're just animals. They flip chairs. and They, they do all kinds of mean and wicked things. When you get hungry and tired, you've learned to calm it down. But you're still, you're a little short. I call them adult temper tantrums. We still have them. So let's look at little kids. You know when little kids, you don't notice them enough? Dan, 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 Dan. What? Uh, a booger. Oh, thanks, guy. You know, I appreciate that. Never seen that before. It's unbelievable. Remember one time we were outside playing and stuff, and I had to go in. I got dressed and got ready to leave. And he goes, oh, it was in the evening. Where are you going? I said, I need to go back to church. I got to counsel somebody. He goes, oh, can't people just be good? <laughs> Prophetic kid right there. No, the point is, and I told him, I said, no, it's premarital counseling. It's a good one. I named who it was, getting married. Oh, okay. They're divorced today. No, just kidding. So, um. <laughs> I told him who it was. He goes, oh, okay. That wasn't his altruistic way of, can't people at the sanctuary just be good so that you don't have to wear your time out? That was, Dad, I wish you could stay home with me is what that was. Just right in front of me. Noticing the heart, what the heart spoke. Noticing those things that are right there. So sometimes people are longing as little kids, we can see that. But sometimes in us big kids, we're just longing to be noticed. Just somebody to, are you okay? Are you doing all right? The simple act of noticing someone can lovingly mirror the behavior of Almighty God. But we've got to be willing to drop our agenda. Oh, and I know it's dreadfully important. 
It may be. But it doesn't take a lot of time either. Or maybe not drop our agenda. At least put it on hold a minute, two minutes. The scene doesn't have to be impressive. We, we sometimes make our faith so complicated. I think sometimes we make it so hard. I've said this so many times from this pulpit. It's true, we absolutely should seek to understand the theological things of God. And I think we need to study his word and absolutely thank God for brilliant people that's theologians who are part of our, our family here at the sanctuary. They write books and they can help. And those are wonderful and, and thank God for all of that. But in the process of us trying to get there and studying and doing all that, there are many simple commands tucked in the pages of scripture about how to love others well. I just don't understand the word of God. Be ye kind one to another. What's the deep theological? Be ye kind one to another. It doesn't, you understand that. Just because we want to say we don't. Just because we don't want to obey it all the time. But there's a lot of those in there. Hebrews 13 gives us a glimpse into this type of sacrifices that please God and hospitality, entertaining angels, treating our spouses properly, honoring, honoring leaders, keeping away from false teaching. Hebrews 13 is full of all kinds of stuff like that. But let me pick out two verses here, 15 and 16. It says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. Or to do good, that means to share with others who are in need. And, for, and to communicate, I'm sorry, to forget, to communicate or to share with others who are in need. For with such sacrifices, God is, he's all right with, he is well pleased with that. Is he well pleased with me running the aisles and shouting and dancing? Maybe. Scripture doesn't say that. But it does say, praise God by professing his name with our lips. Do good. Remember, he's going to say, well done now. Good and faithful servant. Do good and share with others. The Bible says that is well pleasing to him. These verses can be a template for us to live by, and they're very simple, very easy to understand. We can look for these natural opportunities that are right in front of us to speak of God and his goodness, to speak how God has blessed us, or, or the simple fact of someone struggling at the grocery store, just patting their hand saying, can I pray for you or I'll be praying for you, whatever is comfortable, whatever needs to happen in that moment. And we can do those simple things and we can try to do good to people and we can, we can share. We can share our home. We can share our food. We can share our dishes. We can share our time. We can share our car. We can share our heart. We can share our faith. There are so many things to share and it says that pleases God. Opening our lives makes us others-centered. When we do that, it can produce joy. It 
makes fond memories. Good things happen. It creates lasting soul-to-soul connections. Don't you love those stories you've read before where it's like uh, two people happened, two strangers were happened to be on a, on a trip or something, and one guy, they got stranded here and stranded here, and now they are best friends in the world. How did that happen? Someone stayed alert. Someone was just bonding with someone there. Showing love can, can be the avenue God uses for want someone to begin a relationship with him. I just don't know how to witness. I'm not this great theologian. You don't have to be to reflect Jesus. You have to mimic what he does, and that's he cares and loves for people right in front of him is what he did. It's usually not what people are asking for anyway. Can you explain Melchizedek? No, I can't. Can you explain that? No, I can't. They don't. They want to know someone is concerned about them. They want to know someone cares about them. Can you take the time to care for them, to show them some love? How, how might God be tapping you? And how might God use you today, prompting you in some way to, yes, to praise his name or to share his goodness to someone else and to do something good and to share life with someone or to share something God has given you with another person? Your very presence and prayerful attitude can be a magnet that draws other souls to you and points them straight to him. This is not to see how many friends I can get and how many followers on Facebook I have. This is to point everybody to Jesus is what this is about. I read this and it really made me think, and it's, it's very simplistic, but there, 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 there may be a whole lot of truth here. The author that I read said this, we're on earth for two reasons. The first is to have a relationship with God, and the second is that every opportunity we can point others to Jesus. That's why we're here. I have to think about that. Matthew 5, 14 and 16 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that's set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But they put it on top of a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. They feel the power of the Holy Ghost resonating out of you. That's fine. Do you know the scripture says? That they may see your good works. They're going to high five you and put you in. They'll canonize you. No, they're not going to do any of that. You know what they should do with that? They'll see your good works and they'll glorify him. That's what our good works should do. Reflect to him. It's all about him. It's directing them to him. E- even though it sounds so cliche, we, we, we can't amass anything. When, we, we, I'm sorry, we can't take anything with us that we amass here on earth. But how much of our time do we spend collecting stuff? And we know that. You can't take anything with you. And we'll say that, and yes, we believe that. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not really well to sell everything. Let's live on a compound somewhere. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, what's our motive here? What's our, what's our attitude behind this? What's, what's the most important things? 
Again, it's not to, to do good so that I look good. It's to do good to point people to Jesus. We're the light. Let the light shine. People will see your good works. They'll glorify God. Don't do good works to shout, look at me. Do them humbly to shout, look at him. You know, there's an upside-down truth in the kingdom. There's so many of these upside-down truths. If you want to find life, the Bible says you need to lose it. If you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to be, uh, you have to be servant of all to lead. On and on, all these upside-down truths, I guess we could call them. So many things are flipped in the kingdom of God. So I wonder if the principle stands in this idea of, in order to bring joy to yourself, Maybe we need to be more concerned with bringing joy to others. If we want to have a significant life, maybe we need to embrace obscurity instead and make others feel significant. Because as we reach out, not only to our friends, not only to our family, and that's all important, but sometimes even to complete strangers, the lonely, the less than lovely, We'll learn to mirror Jesus and to let his light shine so that he gets all the glory. So exactly how do we live this live on alert that we're talking about? Tuning our ears so we can hear the heart of those around us. Couple things, obviously, we need to pray. We need to be led by the Spirit. We believe in that here at this church. We believe in the touch and the move of God's Spirit. And so let Him lead you every single day to someone. It's not about me. The world doesn't revolve around me. I need to see the world through His eyes and His compassion and His concern and care. Sometimes that alone time, that driving to work or just the few seconds you have maybe early in the morning when you get up before everybody else, before the day gets crazy and you're praying in that Bible study, tune your heart again to the Spirit's movement. We, Sister Fergie led us on those Monday nights about it. We would pray a minute and she said, okay, everybody, just be real quiet and see if God will speak to you. What in the world? Because he will. Sometimes it's like, oh, Lord, and turn the radio on. Oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. That's wonderful. I'm glad you're praising God. But at other times, excuse me, shut up and just hear what God has to say because he may be saying, you need to touch that neighbor. You need to go here. You need to do that. And God can lead you into all those things. It ain't about you. It's about him and directing those people to him. We need to live with eyes and ears wide open. That living alert. We need to focus on the face in front of us. And Well, nobody's in front of me. Well, how about your inbox of your email? That appointment on your calendar? That name that rises in your thoughts? I, I have a whole list of people that I pray for every single day. And this one guy that I've, I've counseled before, we kind of buddied up a little bit. And I, I've talked to him here and there. He's from another state. And he was just... You know, just on my heart, just his name just kept coming to me. And I thought, ah, I need to text him. But boy, I was busy, busy pastor. Yeah, you know, really, 10 seconds, but I was busy. You know, then I'd forget because I'm pituitary. So the thing about I'd forget, and so I tried again. And so, man, his name would come. And so, so this went on for like a week and a half. Yes, that bad. And he texts me out of the blue and sent me a crazy meme. And I responded to him, LOL, ha, 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 ha. I said, but I'm truly not shocked you text me. Because if I won't listen to the Lord, he would. 
And so he texted me, and I just simply told him what I was feeling, what I thought. And again, his text, now, you can't imagine what that means to me, today, you know, whatever. That doesn't matter. I did what I was supposed to do, sort of. <laughs> but it's that. Did they ask you to teach, preach a general conference? No. I text a guy that not one person in this building would ever know unless I just told you. And what did it do? Well, he's slaying the spirit. And he's, he's mag- I don't know what happened to him. But what if he was down that day getting ready to give up and it changed his life and now he's not? I may never know that until we get to heaven. That person you said hi to in the grocery store and was kind to you, whatever happened. You don't remember that, but 10 years later they met somebody that kind of reminded you of that person of you and then they remembered something and somebody else watered that seed a little bit and then someone else harvests God gave the increase and they're in heaven someday and you'll know that story. You know, I, I know it's Wednesday and late, but I'm excited right now that that could possibly happen and it absolutely can. And it's a text, it's a, a card, it's a, I told you I need my own altar call after this because life is gold-driven and just all this stuff. And it's just like at some point, what's really important? What is right in front of us? On this earth, we'll never, we may never know those things that we've affected. But I'll tell you one thing that we will know because Scripture tell us, tells us God is well-pleased. Pray every day. Take notes, mental or, or, or even sticky notes, or me and Siri, she's, she's, she's my honey in the phone. <laughs> so I just talk to her all the time, keeping all these notes. Just these stuff comes out before I get it, and it was in there, and I... Mm, <laughs> aggravating. Long conversations with her, just telling me all these things that I need to do. But taking those mental notes. You know somebody, and I miss her every single day, but Sister Mary Dugas, she could hear people's hearts. I remember, I think it was Sister, Sister Favorite in here, she's probably teaching me. I think it was Sister Favorite. When they first moved here and they came to church, um, Sister Dugas came up, hey, precious, how are you? I'm fine. I think she told her we're from the East Coast. It was something that simple. And so they, whatever. Weeks later, months later, I don't know how long it was. Sister Dugas, she was on vacation somewhere. She was at the dollar store. It doesn't matter where she was. They've raised the price there. Anyway, so it doesn't matter where she was. Squirrel. (laughs) They raised the price. And so she bought a lighthouse. She came back on vaca- from vacation. She came up to Sister Favor and she's like, I was on vacation, thought of you. And gave her that lighthouse. Sister Favor told me, she, I took that lighthouse and broke it in front of her. That's the dumbest thing, $1.25 for the dollar store. No, I promise she knows where that lighthouse is. And I promise she thinks of it all the time, that someone was thoughtful and thought of her. Folks, 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 it's that simple. 
So don't tell me I can't be a witness. You can. I can't win the lost. You can't. I can't show Jesus. You can. I don't know all the scriptures. You don't have to. Just reflect him. That's all it is. I remember, and I think I told this before. I've got to hurry up here. But I remember before, uh, I remember I told Skyler when he was growing up and getting a little job. I said, Skyler, here's the deal. I used to say, you know, if you do this much above what's required, you're golden. Just show up three minutes early. Nowadays, it's just like, if you show up, you're golden. <laughs> just like, if you breathe and say, may I help you? It's just unbelievable. You get a raise. So the point being, though, it doesn't take that much. And sometime in our fast-paced world, it doesn't take that much to reach to someone. Taking notes. Two, three more things here. Got one minute. Pay attention to special dates. Someone, my wife is wonderful at this. She hears someone passes away. She puts in a calendar, and a year later, she'll send that person a card say, I'm thinking and praying for you on this first anniversary of that. Some of you have received those cards. How she do that? She puts, she cheats. She puts it in a calendar. Does it matter? No. Remembering those special days. Another thing you can do is, you know, again, don't be a creeper. <laughs> But start stalking. Y'all do it anyway. Don't even. I heard that so-and-so's got married. And I'm like, whoa, here we go. Facebook.com. But you can learn a lot off that. Or you're scrolling through. Somebody got a new house or somebody got a new job or something. Those are just little things that someone noticed. Brother, what is going on? Is this a Zig Ziglar motivational? This is saying it's not hard to reflect Jesus if we want to try it. It's not the quoting scripture. Please hear me out. I know I'm kind of being silly at times, but it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's those simple things that make all the difference in the world. Number five, last one, be a smart shopper. And some of you go, oh, yes, I'm a smart shopper. No, what that simply means is sometimes stock up on things. I hope Sister Norris is watching. I want to give this grand lady great honor. Brother Norris will tell stories sometimes that she'll be at home and he'll say, come on, we got to go, we got to go. And she'll be in a closet that looks like Dollar General or something in there. Anyway, she's just digging through stuff, loading her purse up, her Mary Poppins purse, loading that thing up. And, she, and he'll like, what are you doing? She said, I just think somebody needs a gift today. She may have somebody in mind or she may not. But when she comes, she blesses somebody with a little gift. Well, they're multimillionaires. It was a dollar store. It doesn't matter where it's from again. It doesn't. How many's ever been blessed by Jimmy Sherman at this church? I got more socks than I know what to do with. Anyway, he's. <laughs> but what a great man. And if he did forget my birthday, I'd have to find him, see if he's mad at me. Why? Because he always remembers. It's something he can do. Well, I'm going to ask him to preach Sunday. I promise he don't want to. But what does he do? He reflects Jesus when he walks in here to everybody he can. Let's stand in this place. I, 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 we've got a lot more to cover, and I'm not going to get there tonight, obviously. But I just wanted to 
started. I know this is so practical, but I really wanted it to be practical because we want to win the world. And if you feel God directing you to pray for that person in the supermarket that is in the wheelchair and they come out and revival breaks out at, at, at Deerberg's, thank God and we'll all rejoice and we will have a shout and service. That's all wonderful. But in case you don't, say hi to the lady behind the counter. Ask her how her day is. Just reflect Jesus everywhere you go. And yes, now I shall have my altar call because I'm under conviction. Lord, help us, I pray. We want to be like you. I, I pray we help. Don't make this hard. Lord, this is just, when, when you came, yes, you had a big goal to do. A big job was in front of you. But Lord, you, you took time with the children. You took time with the down and out. You, you reached people right in front of you. You taught, you cared, you ministered where you could. Help us do that in whatever way you direct us. I pray that you would help us to be salt and light to this dark world. I pray that you would let our, help us to hear your voice, Lord, to direct our steps every single day. Let us reach someone. And, Oh, they may not eventually come to this church, but maybe they'll go to another church. Maybe, but Lord, if the, if the seed is planted, that's all we want to do. We want to share your light because we know you'll give the increase, Lord. We're going to trust you. We want to do our part because we know that you'll do your part. Bless each one, I pray. Let us be in your care this day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless each one of you.